I hate electronics. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, if you would please. Matthew <clears throat> chapter 5. Periodically, God will bring a verse into my life and I will spend lots of time meditating on that verse and subsequently because because it's a it's a verse that God has put on my heart uh, you get to hear it a lot <laughs> um, it, it's a verse that <clears throat> I have probably in in my preaching over the last couple of months me- mentioned probably a half dozen times and and God has just really burdened my heart to to really dig into this verse and and, and really speak to my heart through it. Um, it. It's in the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 29, verse 11. And, and it says, For I know the thoughts that I think of you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And as I have meditated and, and, and thought on and allowed God to really work in my heart through this verse, <clears throat> I don't know, this, this may sound kind of strange, but uh, at my physical therapist uh, appointment, the last one that I had about two weeks ago, uh, this, this verse, parts of this verse started to really sink in and make sense. Uh, my physical therapist was lecturing me on balancing my body. Okay, and what she was saying was this: if 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 I have, you know, let's just say I pull a muscle in my lower back. How many of you have ever pulled that muscle? We we all have. Okay, and you know, you bend over and you go, oh, oh, you know. Uh, so she says, what happens is you pull a muscle in your back. Then, then what happens? Your body then compensates for this this injury, if you would, and then and then your hip your hips get out of alignment, and then what what happens then? Uh, your the the rest of your body then is is out of alignment because of a muscle in your back. It affects it affects your body. <clears throat> for me. I have a I have a nerve that <clears throat> is in my lower back that when I move just right it'll pinch a nerve that runs down this this leg it's called the sciatic. How many of y'all enjoy that one? <laughs> okay, we all enjoy that nerve. Uh, why God put it there, I don't know, but I don't like it. But it, but what happens is because that, that nerve gets pinched then my body in order to compensate for the pain I, I start walking differently and that throws that throws my entire body all the way from my my head literally to my to my feet so what ha- what do I have to do then to get back in alignment there you go that's <laughs> with a lot of pain meds <laughs> um, no, you you need to get your body realigned, do you not? And then that takes care of that that take, that takes care of the problem. And <clears throat> for me, oftentimes, not not always, but sometimes, a pain in my lower back 
actually can give me a migraine because it affects my entire body. <clears throat> so uh, I don't like migraines. I don't like back aches. So uh, my physical therapist is really teaching me how to, um, what's the word? Listen to my body. Is that, does that make sense? Okay. Uh, and, and you, you know, when you're young and dumb, you just, you, you know, you do things and, and you don't worry about the consequences. But I'm almost 60. <laughs> I'm just a pup, right? Um, uh, but I'm almost 60, and, and now, you know, I, I don't do stupid things that I used to do, hopefully, anymore. I still do stupid things, but I don't jump off roofs and things anymore. <clears throat> you know. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 starts off by saying, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. And <clears throat> I, I want you to, to, to kind of let that sink in because he knows you. You are not just a number like you are to the United States government. God knows you. And not only does he know you, but he thinks about you. Now, I don't know about you, but that to me, uh, that, that is, that, that's powerful. And not only that, but he cares about me. And those thoughts that he thinks are thoughts of peace and not evil. Praise God for that. Because <clears throat> truth be told, I deserve the evil. For what? To give you an expected end. Or to give you hope in life. So that when you are struggling through life and your life is all out of balance... And, and you need to go see the physical therapist spiritually. God cares about you. And he wants to bring peace into your life. Now, <clears throat> when, my, <clears throat> when, I, when I do something that causes my body to get out of alignment... Uh, I, I'm not going to accuse myself of anything because <laughs> I do a lot of really stupid things. Um, but let's just say, I don't know, I do something that causes my... my I, I remember, okay, this, this happened about two years ago. I was cutting the grass. and it, You know how it is. There are days where you cut the grass and you kind of do it in a normal pace. And then there are days when you're cutting the grass and you're in a hurry. Well, I was in a hurry about two, three years... Well, about two years ago. And I walked into a branch. I mean, I almost dropped to my knees. I hit it so hard. Well, guess what that did? That threw my whole body out of alignment. And like two days later, I had some of the worst migraines I've ever had in my life. Guess what I had to do? I had to go back to my physical therapist and get realigned. Now, <clears throat> was it my physical therapist's fault that I got out of alignment? 
well, then why do we blame God when we spiritually get out of line? See, it's our fault. We walk into branches, spiritually speaking, but then we turn around and blame God because things aren't going the way we want them to. A.W. Tozier said this. He said, we may as well face it. The whole level of spirituality among us is low. We have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus in the, in the things of the Spirit are all but gone. We have in, in, uh, imitated the world, sought, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord, and produced a cheap synthetic power to substitute the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe, me personally, I believe that A.W. Tozer got it right. We live in a world today that we manufacture our own happiness, where we manufacture our own power with God. And the problem is we're out of balance. And we need to get our balance back. We need, <clears throat> we need to understand that our power comes from an almighty God through the Holy Spirit of God. I read something last week that truly disturbed me. And when I read this, on the surface, there, there may be some people who will say, well, that sounds really good. Let me read it to you. <clears throat> the context here is a, a young pastor was at a, uh, was at a conference with other pastors. And this young pastor made this statement to the entire group. And this is what he said. I am most proud of my church people when I see that they look just like the unsafe people in our town. What he's saying is, I love it when our people blend in with the community around us so that there is no difference between the church and the world. And I read that and, I, and my, heart, my heart just sunk because on the surface, it, it may sound good that his people are blending in with the world, but they're not making a difference. <clears throat> the title of my message this morning is Different to Make a Difference. Different to Make a Difference. Let's start reading in Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 13. It says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city is that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, 
but is a but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify the fa- your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray, dear Heavenly Father. I want to thank you so very much for your love, for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would make a difference in our lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Different to make a difference. See, God has called us to be different. He's called us to be unlike the world around us. I, 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 I can't help but go back into the thinking of my own mind. When I was a young man prior to getting saved, I was in search for something different. I knew that down deep in my heart, I knew that there was more to life than working at a particular job for 30, 40 years, uh, uh, retiring and dying. I knew there was more to life. But I needed something that was different. And when Christ was first introduced into my life, I knew that that's what I needed because it was something different. Our Lord oftentimes used common things to illustrate deep spiritual truths. And here we see he uses two very common things that, that everybody in this room is familiar with both of them, and that is salt and light. So in, to, to better understand the spiritual truths that I believe that Jesus is trying to teach us in these four verses, I wanted to look at these two spiritual characteristics in our lives. The first one we're going to look at is in verse 13, and that's the salt. Ye are the salt of the earth. What does it mean to be the salt of the earth? That's that's a great great question. Because have you ever heard the term, is he or she worth their salt? Do you know where that comes from? Okay, no. Um, if you if you understand history, and I, I know Danny knows this because we've talked about it. I've, I've actually even shared this in church before. <clears throat> but see, if you go to, uh, if you, the last time we were in, the, I don't, the, the part of the store that sells salt, what do they call that? The spices and stuff, yeah. Um, the last time we were in that part of the store in Sam's Club, uh, we were walking by and I saw a big old container of salt for like a buck and a half. And and so so in, in 21st century uh, thinking, salt is not very valuable. It's it's relatively cheap, but 
when Jesus said this, when, when this was when this book was written, salt was a very valuable commodity. It was it was worth a lot of money. In fact, the Roman government would oftentimes pay their soldiers in salt. That they would then go to the market and sell the salt to be able to buy other goods or trade the salt and different things. That's where the statement comes, are you worth your salt? See, we need to rethink what Jesus is saying here. Salt was a very precious commodity. And everybody alive at the time understood the impact of what Jesus was saying here. Are you basically, uh, he says, ye are the salt of the earth. Uh, <clears throat> but if, if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Now that's a, that's a statement that, again, in our, in, our, in our world today, we don't always get. <clears throat> because salt is so cheap, we use it one time and then throw it away. But they would reuse salt all the time. If they made a brine, a salt brine to, to dip meat in or whatever, they would allow the brine to evaporate. And then what would be left? Salt. And then they would add more water to it, make another brine. But eventually what happens? It, it loses its savor. It loses its strength. It loses its ability to be salt. And then what is it? It's good for nothing. And then what would the people do? They would take that those chunks or the, the pieces of worthless salt and they would throw it in the street and it would and then people what would happen it, people would walk on it it would turn to dust and it would disappear see <clears throat> we don't reuse salt now now those of you that have ever made ice cream in an ice cream churn what do you do you pour you pour salt on it now if you if if you were living in the 1800s and, and, and beyond and before that, <clears throat> you would allow that to dry, you would break it all up and you would reuse it over and over and over. But what do we do when we're done with it? We just dump it out. So does that verse make a little bit more sense now? The first thing I want to look at this morning, as far as salt goes, is salt purifies. Salt purifies. <clears throat> Titus chapter 2 verse 14 who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto him a peculiar people zealous of good works see we are not to blend in with our world the world around us we are to be different we are to make a difference Amen. the word peculiar here does not carry the context that you're supposed to be weird it's just the word is different. Yeah, you're not supposed to be, you know, you know, you know, there's there's a there's a difference here. You know, people are not supposed to look at you and go, whoa. They're supposed to look at you and say, you know, there's something different about that 
that person. That's what this word is talking about. <clears throat> Have you ever heard the term <clears throat> rubbing salt into the wound? Okay. <clears throat> uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been cut and had salt get into a, into a wound, but it feels really good. <laughs> but do you know where that term comes from? This is, this is history. This is history time, okay? <clears throat> it comes from uh, back in the days of the British Navy when a, the British military Navy ships, most of the sailors were conscripted. Do you all know what that means? They were forced into service. They would, oftentimes, they were more often than not, they were criminals, and they were given the choice, okay, you do three or four years in the, Navy, in the, in the military service on board a ship, or you're going to prison for, for 10 years. So, I mean, what would you do? Okay, so, they, so most of the sailors were conscripted, and, and, and on top of that, many, most of them were criminals. So the captain of a, of a British military ship had to rule his ship with an iron fist. Does that make sense? And if a sailor got out of line, he was whipped with a cat of nine tails. Do you all know what a cat of nine tails is? It is a wicked, wicked thing. And they would strap him and they would beat him <clears throat> until uh, oftentimes uh, f the flesh would literally fall off, off the bones. Then, what would they do? <laughs> they would oftentimes, because the sanitary conditions on board a ship were poor at best, they would then take salt and rub it into the wound. Can you imagine? Uh, so that's where, the, that's where the term actually comes from. But also, in that, uh, instead of rubbing the, 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 the salt into the wounds, uh, uh, more often than not, uh, they, would, they would actually take a rope, tie it around their, their shoulders, throw them overboard, <laughs> and let the sea uh, do, do the salt work. Uh, <clears throat> and, and then on, on top of that, oftentimes, uh, if the seas were too rough, uh, they would take a barrel with a brine solution, and then head first would would dunk them multiple times into the brine. Salt purifies. As I was reading this, there was a a, a, a concluding thought that I thought was a, a very appropriate to what 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 I was reading. It says, although one goal of the process was healing uh, so that the flogged sailor could get back to work as quickly as possible, it seems likely that the agony of the salt treatment also served as a further deterrent uh, to further disobedience. And then this is the con concluding thought. So salt purifies the wound as well as the behavior. That's an incredible thought. 
See, salt purifies. Acts chapter 16, verses 23 and following. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into, 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 the, uh, into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners uh, had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he cried, uh, excuse me, and then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and, sa- and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Amen. Our lives should purify. See, Paul and Silas here, having been beaten themselves, more than likely, we don't know, more than likely, probably had some salt rubbed in those wounds. More than likely sat in the prison, and at midnight started to praise and give thanks to God. And I'm here to tell you, it affected <clears throat> it affected a lot of people. It affected the, 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 the guard who was in charge of the prison. It affected his family. But I oftentimes think, oftentimes we forget it affected all of the other prisoners. Now, put yourself in a Roman prison during that time. If your chains fell off and the doors opened, what would you do? I I, I mean... (laughs) Now, we have no proof of this. This is my opinion. But I believe that the prisoners were as taken back by what Paul and Silas were doing as the 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 the, the prisoner or the, the prison guards. They wanted what they had. Paul and Silas made a difference. Paul and Silas not only made a difference in the life of the prison guard and his family, but all of the prisoners, however many, we don't know if it was two or if it were 500. We have no idea. But nobody wanted to leave because I believe they wanted to know what Paul and Silas had.
Salt purifies, but salt also motivates. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but is cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Another old saying, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That statement is only partially true. How many of you grew up on, on a farm or, or something along that line? Okay, a few of, a few of you. <clears throat> what is one thing that animals crave? Salt. And what happens to a horse when you give it salt? They get thirsty. So you can't make them drink, but you can make him want to drink. By giving them a little bit of salt. Our lives as, as, as salt of the earth should motivate people to want what you have. Amen. Going back to what we read here just a few minutes ago, I believe Paul and Silas's lives motivated those people to say, they've got something that I don't have. Let me ask you a question. And this is a sobering question. Does the saltness in your life cause those around you to say, I need Jesus Christ? I need what that person has. What kind of salt do you have? Is your... Is, is the salt in your life have enough savor, have enough saltness in it that your life motivates people around you to get to have what you, what you have? Or is your saltness so weak that it's worthless and needs to be thrown out in the street and trodden under the foot of men? I can't answer that question except for myself. And I can tell you this. As I sat at my desk and I was preparing this message, I was not happy with what I saw. I can just tell you that. John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I ha- that that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well uh, uh, of spring, uh, excuse me, a well of water springing up <clears throat> into everlasting life. Amen. What does your salt look like? What is, or excuse me, what does your salt taste like? Is it motivating? And then number two, real quickly, let's look at light. We read here in verses 14 to 16, ye are the light of the world. A city 
uh, that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under uh, a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Last night, my wife and I were in Fallon, and uh, coming home from Fallon last night, it was dark, and we were driving up 50, coming into uh, into Fernley. And and those of you that have made the trip, you know what I'm talking about, but at night, you hit a certain point where you... You literally, it's 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 out at the out at the uh, east end of town, but you come up that little hill and then you come around the curve and then all of a sudden you can see firmly. That's what this is talking about. You, you can't hide firmly. <laughs> you, you just can't. Sometimes I wish we could, but you can't. Church history tells us of a group of uh, <clears throat> men called the Asserites. <clears throat> they lived in the 4th century. They dwelt in solitude, fasting and injuring themselves. Nearly, uh, the, 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 the nearer uh, they could bring themselves to the level of an animal, the better pleased they were. One sect actually grazed with the common herds of the fields of Mesopotamia. They acquired a great reputation for holiness because their mourning, their mournful attitude toward life. One of the most famous of these monks was a guy named Simon uh, Simon Stylite. Okay, he was <clears throat> he was famous. Uh, he lived well. He lived from 395. Uh, A.D. to 451 A.D. But he was famous because he stood on top of a column 60 feet high until his muscles became rigid. Some of these uh, hermits uh, hung weights off their bodies. Others uh, uh, kept themselves in caves. Others uh, endeavored to make themselves holy through being miserable. The motives of these men may have been honorable, a, a, a desire to escape the vices of, of, of the, the society around them. But the greatest, <clears throat> uh, the, the, the greater the corruption of society. Now, please get this because this is important. The greater corruption of society, the more need for holy men and women. See, what was wrong with these monks? They were hiding themselves away and torturing themselves to prove their quote-unquote holiness. But the reality is, the more corrupt a society, the more light is needed in that society. The article went on, the world can only become dark by the withdrawal of light. The more corrupt through the removing of the salt scattered over it. The more salt that is removed from a society, the more purifying, the more motivation, and the more light that is withdrawn 
causes a, dark, a, a society to become darker and darker and darker. Uh, we can go to <clears throat> many, many countries across our world today where Christianity has been outlawed and, and, and what has happened to those societies. They've gotten darker and darker and darker. It's happening in our own country. Often I say I make a joking statement that I need to stop making. I don't know if I will, but I need to. But this is the statement I make oftentimes. California, and I can say this because I grew up in California. But California is a good place to be from. Okay? <laughs> Those of you that lived in, have lived in California know what I mean by that. But let me tell you something. There's, there's, a, there's something wrong with that statement. I have a pastor friend who lives in California. And shortly after the recent election, he published an article. And I'm not going to read the article. But he published an article, and the, the title of the article is this, 11 post-election reasons I am grateful to be a Christian living in California. Think about this for a second. 11 reasons why he's glad, not that he pastors in California, but that he's a Christian in California. Now, what, 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 what statement did I just make about the monks that hid themselves away. What happens to a society when all the light and the salt leaves the society? It gets darker. And this, this is his 11 reasons. One, God is faithful in every generation. The mission of God's people never changes. Our mission is obvious. When you're living in California... It's kind of obvious. The sovereignty of God is over all and trumps anything the government says. I added that little that last part about the government. Number 5, revival is an ever-present potential. What happened in the nation of Nineveh, when Jonah went and preached. One of the most wicked societies that has ever been on the face of this earth. Great revival broke out. Number six, the natural beauty of God's creation surrounds us, no matter where you live. Number seven, the Lord is on our side. I like that one. The local church will continue. That is a promise right out of, off the lips of Jesus Christ. Amen. Number eight, our weather is terrific. <laughs> yeah, you got me there. Number 10, laborers are being trained to take the gospel to California. I can tell you this, I get I, I because I'm in the I'm in the know of a lot of this stuff, there are churches being planted in California all the, the time. They're struggling, but they're out there doing the work. 
And then number 11, our citizenship is in heaven. I'm telling you, we need to be the light of the world. Number one, under the light is light reveals. John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. And this is the, the, uh, the, the condemnation that light is coming to the world. <clears throat> and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone that uh, doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to, to the light, lest his deeds should be removed. <clears throat> but he that doth uh, uh, truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Back several years ago, you probably wouldn't know him or remember him, but we had a very, very dear friend of mine, an older man. He's um, well into his 70s now. That's old. Just saying, that's old. <laughs> But uh, um, his name was Clayton Shumpert. I don't know if you guys remember. He was here just just one Sunday. And uh, but a very very dear friend of mine um, has made a huge impact in my life. But anyway, on Monday <clears throat> they wanted to do some sightseeing after church on Sunday. So Monday, Melanie and I took him into Reno and took took him up Virginia City. You know, we did the tourist thing. You know, well <clears throat> we're driving down Virginia. And, you know, he's looking at all of these big fancy casinos and everything. And, and he, he, he says, uh, he says uh, hey, Rick, uh, do you ever go into these things? And he, and he pointed at the pepper mill. We were driving right past the pepper mill. And I said, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been in them before. And he says, how, how much does it cost to go in? <laughs> and, I, and I laughed. I said, oh, trust me, it's free. <laughs> and he and I said, why? Do you want to go in there? And he's like, could we? <laughs> so, so I pulled into the pepper mill, and, and, and the four of us got out and walked in. And, <clears throat> you know, we walked around for, I don't know, 10, 15 <laughs> minutes. And, and, and he comes back, and, he, and he, we, we, we met up there right by the, by the front door. And he, and he says, he says, why is it so dark in here? And before I could say anything, Melanie quoted that verse, men love darkness rather than light. And he just went, wow. And then he said, he said, you know, as I've been walking around looking at people, he said, I've not seen one happy person. And I said, you'll never find one happy person except on a commercial. See, men love darkness rather than light. And what happens? Light reveals. And if we are the light of the world, then our lives should reveal. I'm almost out of time. I need to hurry. Psalm chapter 25, verse 4 and 5. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth. And teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. 
On thee do I wait all the days. We live in a world that is crying out for people to be different. We are living in a world of, that is crying out for people to be salt and light. That, that young pastor that I quoted at the beginning that was so proud of his people for blending into the community misunderstood what Jesus was trying to teach here. He was teaching his people to, to put the light under a bushel. And Jesus is saying, no, don't do that. Be like a city that is set on a hill that people can see from a long ways off. Your life needs to make a difference. Not only does your light reveal, and I'm very quickly here, light requires a source. First John chapter 1, verse 5, <clears throat> This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness. When we walk with God, our light should shine. Psalm chapter 27, verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation, in whom, I, uh, sh in whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength and my life. Of whom sh should I be afraid? The key is making a difference in the surroundings around us. When we live our lives out of balance, and what I mean by that, spiritually speaking, when we live our lives for ourselves, our lives are out of balance spiritually. Our light will not shine. Our saltness will be worthless. But when our lives are balanced and we understand the impact that Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 has in our lives, <clears throat> for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God wants to bless your life. He has no evil thoughts for you. He has... <clears throat> now, are, are hard things going to happen? Absolutely. But when we gain balance in our lives and we put God first in our lives, the expected end is, is peace and comfort. But what does our life look like? Are you? I can't answer this question except for me. Are you the light of the world? Are you the salt of the earth? Are you making a difference in the lives of those around you? Or are you just blending in and getting along? I don't know what to tell you. But I know for me, there was an exercise of of going to the Lord and asking for forgiveness and working through some things that I needed to work through. But my challenge to you tonight is very, very simple. What does your life look like? I can't answer that. Only you can. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.